1: Benjamin Solak, it's the and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak Show, episode 35, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, trade deadline craziness. I am your host, Michael Kiss. Joining me is Benjamin Solak. Ben, let's get right into it. The Eagles, the whole whole reason we're here, the Eagles sent a third round pick to acquire Detroit Lions wide receiver, Golden Tate. Your immediate reaction, go.
0: Good. Exciting. (laughs) Uh, Offense. Needed uh, another receiving weapon at wide receiver. Nelson Aguilar really hasn't been uh, that guy that we hoped he had been so far this season. And Golden Tate is an excellent receiving option. Uh, Golden Tate is a a slot machine, one of the original slot machines. An incredibly uh, quick receiver, great body control. He's got good hands across the middle, and he's a great yak receiver. Uh, He makes a lot of sense in an offense that uh, throws a lot of high-volume quick throws, which Philadelphia has been doing a lot in recent weeks um makes a lot of sense as a safety blanket style of receiver just a guy you can kind of feed the rock to uh, and he can rack up a lot of receptions it, it's uh golden Tate is in like the Jarvis Landry Miami mold as far as like how he's deployed and what his talent what his uh what his strengths are but he is a better player than Jarvis Landry so i think it's quite exciting i will say my uh you know once you get a little bit deeper into it uh there's a little bit of its shine a little bit of its luster it's exciting just from like a uh uh personnel standpoint eagles got better today but this very this will sound stupid this is very much a move where the whenever you evaluate a trade you have to evaluate a trade not in terms of the thing you traded for the player you you received but in terms of like contracts and future decisions and who's going to move what and now that comp picks can be traded uh which is like a you know a a thing that only developed a year or so ago that's really huge you got to consider that this golden Tate trade only makes sense if the Eagles have a very clear plan in place for it, both from an X's and O's standpoint, because now you have a lot of receiving weapons who are good across the short intermediate area, and you're still lacking a deep threat, maybe. And from a personnel standpoint, you've now got Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Golden Tate, Mike Wallace, Mac Collins, Shelton Gibson, all in the building, Jordan Matthews, four of them, Aren't on contract next year, whatever. Like Mike Wallace isn't. Aguilar's got his fifth year option next year. Nine and a half million, non guaranteed. Golden Tate's, uh, you know, not uh, signed next year. And J Matt's not signed next year. You got to figure out what the right move is with those players. And so that'll be yeah. the tricky nonsense. That'll be what you, that'll, when you need to have a good plan in place. And at the end of the day, we should trust that Howie and Doug do. And that's why they made this move, which is definitely an aggressive move. There's no denying that. Um, but this move will only work if you can execute the full plan around it. It's not just like a uh, Golden Tate immediately makes the Eagles better. It's, <laughs> you know, Golden Tate properly deployed and properly, you know, brought into the cap situation for the team. Definitely is an improvement.
1: So let's talk about how this trade came about. Word was that the Lions were not making the calls in regard to Golden Tate, but they were the ones receiving the offers and did not really expect to make a trade. So they also didn't expect to resign him because he is on a contract year. I don't think they believe that they can win this year, which made this pill easier to swallow for them. And what they were asking for was a third rounder, didn't expect to get it. They end up getting that. So that's a win for them, if that's you know the, the case and I stated it correctly. Plus, when you think about this, he is also going to reconsider going back to Detroit at the end of the year, which would be like a huge score for them if they deal him for a third for this year when they're not winning and they get him right back. So that's an interesting aspect side note of it. But let's uh, my my notes on goal, on Golden Tate: four consecutive years over 90 catches. Three out of the last four years over 1,000 yards. He played the Cowboys in week four, eight receptions for 132 yards and two touchdowns. So adding a Cowboy killer in an obviously extreme, extremely small sample size, but right. I don't care, is obviously a good thing. But also, three out of the last four years, he led all wide receivers in yards after catch. Most yards after catch in the NFL since 2014. Here's a key one for me. Second most third down receptions with 124 since 2000. And 14. So what this guy brings, and we you, you mentioned the the lack of a deep threat. I think that was going to be the case anyway. I didn't see see anyone out there other than, you know, obviously making a move for Deshaun Jackson. Apparently Deshaun Jackson has been told that he is going to stay in Tampa Bay. Although I didn't see the chance of them adding a real field stretcher in that regard. What it does for me is the fact that now you have a guy who's very dependable in the short to intermediate area, and all the stuff that we were trying to do with Nelson Aguilar that lowered his his average catch uh yardage his average catch yardage is going to now go to golden tate who you can use on bubble screens you can use them on those jet sweeps and things of that nature you can use them in a lot of different ways in that short to intermediate area and then what that does for nelson aguilar is let lets him run more routes to the intermediate deep areas to the field which could add some explosiveness to this team and not only that golden tate And we mentioned the Yak Yards, but he does that at a much higher level than anyone on this team right now. And what's going to help this offense? You're talking about a quarterback that's operating behind an offensive line that is beat up and has struggled at times to protect Carson Wentz making life easier for him by adding somebody you can dump the ball off quick to and expect more of those yards after catch from Golden Tate than you could anyone else on this roster to me is a positive thing obviously there are the long term situations that we also have to consider like you said I do trust Howie to handle that and have a plan but when you look at what they still have in regard to draft capital for next year they have a first round pick they have two seconds they have two fourths based on the projected compensatory picks they have a fifth two six and a seventh so they aren't necessarily hurting for draft capital and just a quick note we are recording this right now it's 350 we are keeping an eye on the timeline
0: ha ha clinton Dix just went to the redskins
1: oh wow see that's what i'm saying news is flying around and haha Clinton Dix was a guy that I was actually interested in for the Eagles uh, to add some depth to that secondary. Uh, also real quick before we talk a little bit more about tape the Rams are trading a 2019 third round pick and 2020 fifth round pick to the Jaguars for defensive end Dante Fowler. So that was reported by Adam Schefter. So that happened as well. The Rams are really really going in on on adding talent this year. They need some of that pass rush on the edge to go along with those great interior players what they have Ben. Further thoughts on the Tate trade? What does that do for this offense schematically? What should it do in your eyes? How are you deploying Golden Tate? And how does that affect the deployment of the other receiving options on this team?
0: Yeah, so let's focus on what we've got for weeks 9 through 17. Well, week 10 by week. Weeks 10 through 17 of the regular season. And then, of course, you know, the playoff weeks the Eagles will be playing in. Uh, and we'll talk about what the X's and O's looks like, and then we'll kind of transition more into the long-term stuff about the deal. So you brought up excellent points. Uh Next Gen Stats, which since 2016, Golden Tate is the league leader in categories of total yak like you identified, but also um expected yak plus minus. In terms of what what that metric is going to detail is that Golden Tate's Gaining a a lot of yak, yes, but a lot of that is because he gets targets that are intended to create yards after the catch. He's getting mesh crossers, you know what I mean? He's getting bubble screens. These are plays where most players are accumulating at least some yards after the catch. But because Golden Tate is first with X yak, expected yak plus minus, uh, with plus 296 over this time, which is plus 1.3 per route run, it means that...
1: And just and just to add to that real quick, Nelson Aguilar last year was at 0.6. He's at 0.3 this year, so he hasn't been as dynamic after the catch and was never near what Golden Tate is after the catch. Go ahead, Ben.
0: What that means is that Golden Tate is producing the most extra... Yards after the catch. The most irregular player-created yards after the catch. It's not a result of scheme. So, really, we're talking about a guy who over the past three seasons, 2016, 2017, 2018, has been the best player to get the ball in his hands with an opportunity to run. And... Philadelphia's offense is predicated on that idea, right? Like, we all love to make fun of Zach Ertz because Zach Ertz can't break a tackle. Well, the reason we notice that is because Philadelphia is running so many crossers, right? And you're always getting the ball kind of in, 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 in these mesh ideas. And when you're sitting in between these zones and you're having opportunities to continue running down the field, Eagles love to pass into the middle of the field. That's what Golden Tate brings that's the most exciting. It's the fact that probably with the ball in his hands, he will be the most electric receiver. For Philadelphia, tight end or wide receiver, he will probably be the most dynamic pass catcher once he gets the ball in his hands. So he's going to get a high target share. It's probably not going to be deep down the field, but he's going to get a high target share. And that's something that's important to note. You brought up the fact that Nelson Aguilar will now likely be freed up to do more downfield stuff because he'll be spending less time being the little bubble screen option at the end of RPOs or being the little jet motion guy, right? Like, like DeAndre Carter, we've been putting him in jet motion, you know, to let Aguilar get down the field. Well, now we have Tate and Aguilar, which, which like, you know, it, it balances things out more.
1: And to quantify that and give it more context, Nelson Aguilar's dot or his average depth of target compared to last year is down. 2.4 yards per right. target so that means that he's getting targeted at much lower levels at the field than he was last year this gives him the opportunity to get back to that a dot from la from from the previous year and make more dynamic catches down the field
0: no so and, and thank you so much for having these Aguilar numbers ready this is very convenient because i only did Golden state numbers uh <laughs> right so i agree with you in terms of aglow is going to get more opportunities down the field I think the other person who's going to get more opportunities down the field is Alshon Jeffrey, and I think Top that's three. a really important one. I think that's a key one, and, and here's why. Philadelphia very, very clearly has the personnel to stretch the ever-living daylights out of your defense from a horizontal perspective, All right, talking about horizontal stretches, right? If they go either 11 personnel, which I imagine they're going to go quite a lot of 11 personnel now with Aguilar Tate and, and, and Alshon all rostered, if they go 11 or 12, uh, they have the opportunity to go empty on you, and then they have the opportunity to go condensed on you. Both Agalor and Golden Tate are, are great blockers out of the slot in terms of, you know, running games and, and little seal-off crackback blocks, trap blocks, whatever. Both of them can execute those quite well. So... They can really spread you out with those guys, and and Carson has the velocity to hit all the tight windows in the short areas, even to the boundary. Alshon is fantastic on these slant routes. Aguilar, obviously, with the bubble screens, with the little smoke routes, and then Golden Tate is a great pivot route, smoke route, pirate route, whatever the heck you want. All these little Mm. timing routes, these multi-break routes where he shakes and bakes you, you know, your, your head up on him five yards, and he just leaves you in the dust. That's a lot of Tate's strength, so... The horizontal stretch is very real, and if Philadelphia gets a ton of man coverage on the outside, well, they're just going to expose that, right? Like, think about third and five, when the Eagles see they have man coverage with Alshon Jeffery backside, they just throw him the slant. Like, they will just eat alive one-on-one coverage in space for as long as you give it to them. Like, Doug Peterson's very comfortable doing that. What then becomes the question, well, what if teams really come down into the box and safeties really get aggressive coming downhill This is where I think you're going to see opportunities for Alshon Jeffrey going down the field in one-on-one scenarios to just get more of those deep balls that he reels in so very well. And he's an excellent catcher along the sidelines. He's very acrobatic. He's an alpha in the air. That's where I think you're really going to see and you're going to feed your deep Throws. That's going to be your primary deep target. I think on a lot of schemed plays, right? Where you're like looking for deep shots. Yeah. Make Aguilar, you know, the deep post. Make Aguilar the deep crosser. He's a great route runner. He's explosive in space. He's difficult to cover. You can do it with Golden Tate too and leave Aguilar underneath. You have versatility there. But when it comes to Carson deciding to take the deep shot on a play, Jeffrey's going to be your guy who's running a lot of your deep routes. And, and now, you know, with Golden Tate more as the security blanket. Oh, it's fourth and eight you know, or third and eight, I really should say, fourth and eight, maybe not, but it's one of those money downs, and it's like an intermediate distance, and oh, they usually hit Alshon in that like 10 yard out, or that 12 yard comeback, right, that's another situation where Golden Tate is very, very effective, again, quick separator, very consistent hands, really good catcher in in tough situations, great catcher through contact, always has been, you know, really just tough grabs, so I think Golden and Aguilar together give you more of that consistent presence, those quick man beaters in the short to intermediate areas on those money downs, which allows you to just let Alshon run down the field more frequently, Mm. just take man coverage and go. And then when Carson wants to take the shot, he can take the shot. Obviously, you don't want to run Alshon into the ground. You don't want to burn him out and and run him too much. So you're going to get, like I said, those designed plays where you get uh, Aguilar crossing deep and Golden Tate crossing deep. But I'm not... Fearful of the deep passing game not getting a boost with Golden Tate present. You know what I mean? Like, you you can't—yes, Golden Tate is better underneath than he is deep— but you can't run all five of your under- your receivers underneath. You know what I mean? You're going to have to move <laughs> guys deep. And Philadelphia has players like Alshon Jeffrey who can be very successful deep. Zach Ertz can be very successful deep. The player I am concerned about in terms of how his role will shift is Zach Ertz. Because Golden Tate and Zach Ertz operate very similar areas of the field in terms of intermediate and sitting right. in zones and so on and so forth. Uh, and so Ertz might not see the insane you know record setting for tight ends target share he's seen this year which is fine you know he doesn't need to set the record for the single season (laughs) receptions for tight ends uh we're allowed to get somebody else the ball he
1: he is on pace for 121 catches this year the record is at 110 from jason Witten, set in 2012 he is also within striking distance of the 2011 record set by Rob gronkowski i know this because i have an article about zackerts dropping on bleeding green nation today so that's why i have those stats uh, on hand but like you like you mentioned with with tate uh, i reached out to bryce rossler who has covered the lions for a while he now works for sports info solutions but he knows this lions team and i trust his evaluations he's a scout for them uh argue, this this is his quote why i said give me the elevator pitch on golden tate like right after the trade happened so this is what he had to say quote arguably the best yak receiver in the league.'" Primarily wins on crossers, drags, slants, screens, etc. in the short to intermediate area, but has shown an ability to win downfield and isn't limited in that regard. Played primarily as a slot, which is true, is about 70-80% to 80%. in the past couple of years. He has functioned out of the slot, but has shown the ability to play outside too. Has extra value as a gadget player who can be used on jet sweeps. And even as a running back, has struggled with drops a little bit this year. And I looked into that. He does have six drops, which is a 11.1% drop rate. That that tie for him, so we expect that to regress back down. It's, not, and it's never been a major issue for him throughout his career. So you're looking at a guy that you can use in a lot of ways and isn't limited in a lot of ways either. We call him a, you know, short to intermediate threat, but he can also threaten down the field as well.
0: Right, so uh, let's look. Or I think actually one final point on X's and O's. Never, ever call a running play ever again. Not even once on accident. <laughs> Just... And and here's my somebody asked like all right immediate reaction what do you think Golden Tate brings I think you with a guy like Golden Tate and a guy like Nelson Aguilar, all right so like so you're you know you're executing an RPO and there's always going to be a read side of the field when you have RPOs right which is to say the ball is snapped Uh, You know, I have the option to hand the ball off, so I have to turn and look a certain way. I'm in the shotgun. I have to turn and look, the back's to my right, so I'm looking to the right. That means, you know, in a a traditional RPO sense, a post-snap RPO, those receivers to the right are going to be my active receivers. That's the read side, and then the defense recognizes that as the read side, and they'll bring extra defenders into the box on the Reed side to try to take away the RPO game against Philadelphia. That's something you saw Carolina do a lot of, uh, and Philadelphia actually exposed that. I have a piece up on Bleeding Green Nation. Go read it; it was great. Anyway, yes, it was. Well, when you have Golden Tate and Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey, three receivers who are really quite, quite, quite good, immediately after the snap, great instant separators, like I've been saying. Well, now I can I can say, all right, I'm running a, an RPO. Right, I got like inside zone, and I have a little glance slant, you know, behind it on the Reed side. Well, that's with Aguilar in the slot. Golden Tate is on the backside. He's on the left-hand side. It's not my read side. I can still tag him with like a five-yard oh. out, right? I can still yep. tag him with a little smoke route. Right, And yeah. now we've got a package play. Package play means yeah. all right, I've got one play going on over here to the right, but also it's packaged with another play over here to the left. That's going to take five yard out. And if I get up to the line, I'm Carson, I'm looking at the defense from the shotgun, and I've got off coverage over there. You know what? I might forego this entire RPO look over here and just throw the package play to the left. So what, what do we have now? We have if you want to adjust your defense... To the read side, to the side the back is aligned to, to try to take away the RPO. And Philadelphia has enough man separators at receiver and tight end that they can yeah. still package a play on the back side where you're now weak. You're leaving one-on-one coverage. I, I, I talk about this all the time. Free money. Free money, right? Like run simple plays that are just easy to execute and and it's quick yards and it gets your offense in a a rhythm. Those packaged ideas are going to be free money plays if Philadelphia uses Golden Tate as I envision. So that's why I say like don't call the run play ever again. I expect Philadelphia (laughs) to package a lot of their running plays with passing options here. Right. And that would just, I think that would make a lot of sense for how well this team has moved to the football and how well Carson Wentz has played over the past month because, I mean, he's been absolutely out of his mind. So, right. that's my X's and O stuff. Now, want to talk contracts? Want to talk uh, talk a little. It's our little, little personnel.
1: One, one quick point about the the alignments that you're going to see from the Philadelphia Eagles. People are asking, does this mean Aguilar moves out to to the outside or is taking a play out there more? Uh, yeah, Aguilar is going to get some more outside snaps, and his outside snaps are already up uh, 20% this year. But what you're also going to see is the Eagles run that three-by-one shotgun set where you got trips right and – You got two guys in the slot from there. You're going to see bunch and they're going to be in that bunch together. And that's not an outside rep. No matter what the designation and you're going to see tight condensed sets. So it's not always, you know, they're going to have that route tree, that multi-directional optionality built into their offense. Not all outside reps are created the same, but yes, I would, I would see Alison, um, Nelson Aguilar playing a little bit more on the outside than he has been. Along, you know, he, and he's been doing that this year anyway because of the depth at of, of wide receiver. So we've dealt with that. We've talked about that. Let's talk long-term contract, Ben. I know you have thoughts on this, and you've dug into it. So fire away. Yeah,
0: because this is what matters. What matters, like players. Pfft. What matters is the 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 contracts and what. It's going to look like in the long term. So we've talked about Aguilar. And when I said, let's look at Odell Beckham Jr., a lot of the reason why I was discussing was Aguilar and the potential to move on from him. Now, As a very important note, something that I have misconstrued and did not understand, I now understand. Shout out to Nick Cordy of Over the Cap, who helped me out when I asked him. Philadelphia picked up Nelson Aguilar's fifth-year option last year. They picked that up when he was playing quite well. And picking up a fifth-year option just ensures that you have an extra year to negotiate with that player about his potential extension. So Nelson Aguilar's uh, fifth-year option, as we discussed, is right around $9.4 million. It's all non-guaranteed money, which means that it only gets guaranteed this season if, in, if Aguilar gets injured. Once we begin uh, the new league year next year, then it will be guaranteed, and it's in the terms of, of game checks, right? And so he could still be cut with no cap hit at that point. So because Philadelphia picked out the fifth-year option on Aguilar, releasing him after this season and foregoing the fifth-year option entirely would not return a compensatory draft selection because technically they would be cutting him, not just letting his contract expire, because they have officially picked up the fifth-year option, even though the money is not guaranteed, and even though Philadelphia is very likely to try to not pay the $9.5 million and restructure Aguilar and potentially extend him so that to bring that cap hit number down. And we'll get to that in a second. So Philly yeah. cannot get a comp pick from Aguilar after the 2018-2019 season, which means Golden Tate. Eagles just traded for him. Uh, a $7 million base salary this year, the final year of his contract. Uh, there are eight games left on that, which means Philadelphia will pay 3500000 million in-game checks to play Golden Tate for the next eight weeks and then playoff checks if those come through. Golden Tate was acquired for a third-round pick. Now, if Golden Tate hits the market, the expectation from a lot of people, a 31-year-old receiver, has been very productive. Uh, you know, what? what is it going to look like? I've heard, you know, fourth or fifth round compensatory selection Mm. so if so when when we look at this trade we should not look at philadelphia traded a third for 10 uh game or for eight games of golden tate it's inaccurate philadelphia traded a third for 10 games of golden tate and the compensatory selection that golden tate will likely return and because aguilar can't be a comp pick this year the eagles are much more likely to be cutting or letting golden tate walk at the end of this season now I will say, obviously got love for Howie and never going to say otherwise. Picking off that fifth-year option for Aguilar does look like a little bit of a mistake in terms of it was done quite early and now Philadelphia's at a point where they can't be positive they'll get a comp pick from like either Aguilar or Tate, whoever they don't want to keep. You know what I mean? Like if, if there wasn't a fifth year p- picked up for Aguilar right now, you could say, okay, whoever we want to keep for a longer term, we just let the other one walk and we probably get around a fourth or a fifth for him. Can't do that now. Right. Aguilar is not going to return a comp pick unless you were to keep him through 2019, again at $9.4 million, and then you'd let him walk and get a 2021 comp pick. You know what I mean? So like that's...
1: So what you're saying is just just so I'm clear on it, the listeners are clear, it's not bad that, that- we gave Aguilar that option. It's the fact that we did it so early and it restricts our options moving right. forward, especially in light of this new trade.
0: Obviously, Aguilar's playing really well. You want to reward him, you know, is keeping up good morale. I'm not going to deny that. If they hadn't yet picked up that option, which doesn't kick in until next year, right? Aguilar still, right now, is is a you know $2.9 million cap hit, fourth year of his of his four-year deal as a as a rookie. If you hadn't picked that up, Right now, you, whoever you let walk, Tate or Aguilar would give you a comp pick. But now only Tate gives you a 2020 comp pick if you let him walk after the season, which means because Philadelphia spent a third on him, which is a pretty hefty price, it's a decent price, you would expect Philadelphia to let him walk. Now, let's say he returns around a fourth or a fifth, uh, let's say, so it's either a fourth or a fifth. Regardless, if you look at the, the trade value charts for, for draft picks, like, you know, the charts that assign value, a third, but taking away the value of like a fifth round comp pick is kind of just like a later third, a third and taking away the value of like a fourth round comp pick is still like a really late third or an early fourth. You know what I mean? So Philadelphia is essentially trading a pick that's somewhere around 100. We can just like say like as a general idea, as a a ballpark for eight games of golden Tate, you know, end of round three, beginning of round four, somewhere right around there. That's a little pricey. That's definitely a little pricey. Now it, it, becomes more justified if the offense takes the strides forward that we hope and we anticipate, and you know that they're, they're able to enter the playoffs and they're able to be competitive with the top teams in the NFC. You know the Rams who move for Dante Fowler and the Vikings and the Saints, what have you.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. If this if this trade pushes them towards a legitimate playoff run, then absolutely, that right. you're not you're not arguing against it at all. Yeah. yeah,
0: and certainly the fact that there's two seconds and two fourths helps right. offset this situation. Let's also mm-hmm. not forget. Uh, Philadelphia is at a point where Brandon Graham might walk, where Ronald Darby might walk, where Jordan Hicks might walk. So they're already likely to be acquiring comp picks in the upcoming season. And you are limited in how many comp picks you can acquire, right? You can only acquire, a team can only acquire a maximum of four, I believe. So it's not like Philadelphia has had a ton of room to be grabbing comp picks this year anyway, right? Now, they're certainly likely to... Extend at least one of Darby, Graham, Hicks, Golden Tate. They're now mm-hmm. four main free agents. Oh, Nick Foles. Freaking Nick Foles. Yeah. Might, or no, I think they have to cut him. They have to cut him because the, he has option years. Never mind, option. never mind, never mind. Okay, so those four <laughs> main free agents, right, you're going to get decent comp picks in 2020. There's no doubt about it. You're going to get decent comp picks. And now that comp picks can be traded, which the second that started, how we immediately jumped yeah. on that idea, right? Yep. We like to say cap room isn't real. Now that comp picks can be traded, draft picks basically aren't real, right? Because you can go and instead of drafting a player in the third who you don't know may or may not be as good as Golden Tate, you can acquire Golden Tate for a third round pick, bring in a potential comp pick in 2020, use that pick along with another pick to move up or to move back or to trade for another receiver or so on and so forth. Like now that releasing free agents gives you a, a, a pick that can later be traded. Yeah. Trading draft picks for established players who are successful makes a bunch of sense. And that's the main point here. That's that's the crux of the matter.
1: Word to a fifth rounder for Michael Bennett.
0: <laughs> right. Now, so you can, I, I can just take, you know, it's not hard to make moves in the third round. People move up and down in the third round all the time. Yeah. So now that I can just take, you know, a, a, the fourth round pick I get from Jordan Hicks walking and translate it into a third by attaching like a seventh to it, by attaching like a backup offensive lineman to it. Moving a third for Golden Tate, who has a very good shot of taking this offense up a couple notches at a very key time for Philadelphia, going to a huge part of the schedule with the playoffs in sight. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like, Like, the overall point is this. The ability to trade a compensatory pick decreases the inherent value of holding on to your draft picks. Once you understand yeah. how to manipulate the formula, which Philadelphia does, shout out Michael Bennett. <laughs> and you, you acknowledge that you can just trade those and you can trade next year's picks and 2020 picks. It just frees you up to make moves like this. And at the end of the day, it's, it's much more fun and also, I think, more replicable and successful to be a team that tries to make moves to get better instead of holding on to draft picks that might become something later. You know, the Eagles had an option to trade a third for a good receiver. So they did it and they can handle the fallback. So is it a little pricey? Yeah. Probably. Is it fine? Absolutely.
1: Ben, I think we covered that from pretty much every angle. Uh, what I'm having trouble covering right now is the All-22 angle on the coaches film for the Philadelphia Eagles game, which was supposed to be our next show, but this trade happened. And through a monkey wrench and everything, obviously, emergency podcast was necessary. Uh, we'll try to get to the All-22 film review Wednesday morning and have that out sometime drive time tomorrow if you do you have access of the second half of that game because i don't for the coach i team.
0: haven't gotten i haven't gotten in there because i've been doing golden Tate film
1: <laughs> well 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 you got a surprise waiting for you so yeah me and ben are going to be watching a whole bunch of golden Tate and offering our opinions on the timeline writing up stuff for bleeding keep an eye out for all of that we'll have you covered from every angle about golden Tate, uh, about our new wide receiver that add, that we add to the starting lineup it's going to be fun uh, i like the move I like the player. He's got the swagger that you like. He's going to fit in very well in this city, even if it is just for a short-term rental. Uh, ben, anything else for the gentle listeners before we say goodbye?
0: No, oh, yeah, I like Gonante. He's a fun dude. I mean, he's been having a blast. Um on twitter did you know the rocky
1: mean? stairs gif
0: yeah no he was like yo john philly philly his tweet before he got traded was the one of jordan peele just like sweating profusely <laughs> and then he was like, yo like you guys need to tell me what jersey number i should get and i was like really like you want us to make this call six and, you know they, they really screw him over um no he just seems like a really fun dude carson's excited fletcher yeah. hit him up so it's a good deal
1: yeah, seems like a great leader. And that's one of the things that Jeff Risden, who covers the Lions, mentioned about him. He, you know, great effort, high effort, great blocker. You know, he's a leader in the locker room. So, either way, you're getting a quality guy on this football team. Look, we'll be back with more analysis tomorrow. In the meantime, you got to remember we all we got, we all we need. Fly Eagles Fly.
0: Hey guys, this is John Stolnes from the Good Fight and the Phillies podcast Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Clentac and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phils podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher, covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. Make sure you are subscribed to the Good Fight podcast feed.